Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. That was exactly what I needed to hear. You have no idea how much God was using what you said to speak exactly to me. How would you like to have someone say that to you? Isn't that a beautiful way to want to live life, uh, to be open to those times and situations where God uses you, the things that you say, the things that you do, to be a vessel of communication? Today, we're going to let God's Word speak to us in Luke chapter 8. We'll see what God has to say in a minute on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. If we're going to be useful to God, if we're going to allow the Lord to speak to us, we better be receptive. We better be open. We better be available. We can't cause God to speak to us, but we can get it in the way. (laughs) So we want to remove the blockages to be available, to have the Lord speak to us, and through us, to use the gifts he's given to us. And and so, uh, today on Inside, I've, I've picked a scripture. Actually, I, I want to say I hope the Lord picked a scripture, and I'm going to just share it with you, and share insights that bubble up, that show up. And I ultimately hope that it will be one of those moments where you will experience, wow, Lord, you spoke to me. That was exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word and of how you use Sound Insight today to speak to me. I'm doing this because I feel called to. I feel like this is what God wants me to do in the program today. But I'm also doing this as a way of saying, this is how you can live your life. This, This is what it means for you to live your life as a disciple, is being that useful to the Lord that he would use you to, in fact, do something great in this world for him. And so let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you for your word. Your word is a living word. Lord, your word is more alive than we are. Your word is life itself. And so, Lord, we ask that you would pour forth your Holy Spirit, stir into flame the gift of your Spirit, that we would truly be open to receive the word that you are waiting to give, waiting to speak, waiting to impress into our lives. We thank you in advance for that. Lord, we do ask that you remove the blockages. Remove anything that it makes it difficult for us to hear your voice today. We love you, Jesus, and we want to love you more. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, as I said, we're going to take a look at a chapter of Scripture. Now, there are a lot of accounts in this chapter. It's Luke chapter 8. And I won't have a chance to go through all of them, but we'll see. We'll see how far I'm able to go. 
And Lord, come, speak to us. Your servants are listening. We are children of the Father. Because of you, Jesus, we can call out Abba Father. So please, give us grace in reading the scripture. Okay, so Luke chapter 8. Oh, and please do this. Please, I want you to, to believe that if you're listening to this, that there's a reason why. That the Lord has something for you. He has a word that he wants to say to you. That he's intending to have you here today for his purposes. I don't know what they are. Maybe you don't know what they are. But he's at work. So, Luke chapter 8. The first account is just the first three verses. After this, Jesus journeyed through towns and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve accompanied him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and maladies. Mary, called the Magdalene, from whom seven devils had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa. Susanna, and many others who were assisting them out of their means. I, I find this short description of Jesus making this journey through towns and villages to be uh, quite surprising. I can remember when it dawned on me the first time that I heard the insight. I, I don't remember who it was that taught it to me. Maybe I, I just picked it up in my own reading, but I'm, I'm guessing that I learned it in one of my classes, in one of my biblical theology classes. And it's this, is that when we think about Jesus traveling town to town, preaching and teaching, we think of him and we think of the 12 apostles. So it's this group of 13 guys kind of going town to town. And I think movies that we grew up with that depict the Jesus and his ministry, they basically show that. They show Jesus and they show 12 apostles hanging out together. Well, this shows a very different picture. And, and did you notice that? Did you catch that? When Jesus is traveling town to town, who's with him? Yeah, it first mentions the twelve the 12 apostles. And, and then it goes on, and it mentions some others. And, and who, who were the others? Well, he mentions Mary Magdalene. He, he mentions Joanna. He mentions Susanna. And then he mentions many others who were assisting them out of their means. So it's not just Jesus and the 12 apostles. It's a whole group of people. It's a big, it's a caravan. It's a, it's a traveling party of folks. I'm not saying they're having parties, but a big group, a, a group traveling together. Kind of think of a, a tourist group coming together, making a tour through, <laughs> through them. You would see these groups of tourists together, moving together as one, and, a, and then the tourist leader, <clears throat> our director had a flag, and you'd all follow the flag and move around. It's Jesus and, and the 12 and, and these women and this group of many others. Well, well why? What are they doing? Why are they, why are they doing that? Well, you cut it at the end here. Many others who were assisting them out of their means. 
So there's a stewardship there. There's a sense of saying, I've been given something. I have a capacity. I have wealth. I have what Scripture refers to as strength, that is, resources. And I'm going to put my resources to bear on behalf of Jesus and the proclamation of the kingdom of God. This gospel that Jesus is bringing, I want to be part of that. And I'm going to be part of that by assisting out of my means. I'm going to assist based on what I'm able to give. It doesn't say that they gave everything. It says that they gave out of their means. And I think that that's a really important thing for us to stop and think about. That when we look at the church today, it's like, oh, there's the Pope, there are the bishops, there are the priests, they're the ones that are operating uh, the organizational structures of the church, and they're at the parishes, and, and oh, there's the Catholic schools and Catholic structures and ministries, and they're all doing their stuff, and we kind of are, are just here. We're watching and, and taking it in. Well, I think there's more to it than that. There's a way in which the Lord is saying, come and follow. You too are asked to come and follow. You too are following you're following the message. You're following the messen- the master who has delivered his message through his servants. And you too are called to assist out of your means. That's part of how the gospel goes forward. I, I have to share a quick story. So last night, I was connecting with Ron Belter. He's the president and general manager of Sacred Heart Radio. And so they jokingly refer to the main studio as the mothership. And he takes care of that main studio. But he also takes care of a whole bunch of technology. A whole bunch of technology connected, connecting that studio to the feed coming from EWTN and then feeding it out to all of the stations around the state of Washington that are part of the network of Sacred Heart Radio station up in Kodiak, Alaska, that gets a feed that it broadcasts. And then you have these antennas that are repeaters that will take a message and then extend its reach through these other stations that are repeating uh, the signal and carrying it forward. And Ron said, hey, can I connect with you? I need you to connect into, I need you to uh, hook up a keyboard, mouse, and screen to this Comrex box, this uh, this sort of flat box that I have on my uh, here in my humble office studio, and it connects me to a similar box in the main studio, so that when you're listening to the Monday programs and Father Nagel is talking and Father Lewis is with me here in my studio, it sounds like we're in the same room, and that's because of the quality of this piece of equipment that connects us together. Well, we've had some technical difficulties, some glitches in the last couple of months with my piece of equipment, my Comrex box. So Ron, one of his staff, was over here in the Spokane area. Michelle, thank you, Michelle, for swapping out the two Comrex boxes. Uh, She brought a new one, and I gave back the old one and set it up tried to get it turned on, and there was something, a glitch that needed to be fixed 
but it can only happen if you could log into this Comrex box. So I got the, the cables, I got it all set up, I got in, and Ron had to walk me through how to get this box to be properly coordinated so that it would communicate with the box back in Sacred Heart Radio, the main studio. <laughs> and I Okay, so a little bit of background here. I, I had two years of electrical engineering. I've worked with technology for years and years. I was lost. I was like, Ron, I thought you were managing a Catholic radio network of stations. I didn't know you were an advanced computer programmer, <laughs> an IT uh, specialist who knows how to dig under submenus to submenus to submenus and configure networks and IP addresses and subnets. And okay, I'm now lost. And I thought, wow, Ron, people have no idea. They have no idea what you've been asked to do in rolling up your sleeves to be able to get the signal of Sacred Heart Radio to show up on their radios, on their phones, uh, on their computers, any other devices. And it's like, wow, we think of very simply, oh, you turn it on, you get the message, and you're happy, not realizing how many people are rolling up their sleeves at another level and assisting them out of their means. Assisting them out of their means. My brothers and sisters, I want you to just consider this a point of reflection for your own life. Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? How can I assist you out of my means? Lord, the means that you've given me of the time that I have. Lord, how can I be a better steward of the time that I've been given, that it would be devoted to the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom of God? And we would add, of Jesus Christ and the salvation he won. Please, Lord, I, I strive to be a good steward of the time that I have. I want my life and the time that I have to be useful and fruitfully part of your proclamation of the salvation, Jesus, that you won for us in this world. So please, Lord, give me insight. Give me insight, Lord. I, I, I don't know if I have enough insight. Please help me to know what it is you're asking and give me the grace to follow. I, it's funny because we do this in, in, in the course of our lives, right? We do this in, in matters that are far less important. So just here's a for instance. Last night I was having a conversation with Kerry, and we were talking about uh, our seventh, day, uh, seventh grade daughter, Luciana. She's playing volleyball on a club team. And this team is, is a pretty competitive team. And the young ladies that are on the team with her, we don't know any of them. We just met them through, they all signed up for the same club and, and tried out and made the team. And the positives are, you've got a couple of coaches that are very good at, at developing skills, at uh, training these young ladies to be able to improve as players. And th that's their strength. The strength of the team is that 
well, our daughter will get better by playing against better competition on a regular basis, right? If, if she's on a team of players that are pushing her to get even better and giving her a vision that says, look, you, there's room for you to grow and, and, and these ladies are helping you get that, that, that's another gift. But Carrie raised the question, what's the spirit? What's, what's the atmosphere among these young ladies? Are they godly? Are they fostering a spirit of welcome, of belonging, of striving to honor Christ? Personally, if she's on a team that are full of young ladies, her own age, who are, none of whom are, are part of an educational uh, uh, program that is based in faith, all of whom have smartphones and who are at least at one like anecdotal level, just seeing them sort of at the beginning and end of practice, the, the spirit and attitudes are much more reflective of pursuing uh, worldly ideals about dress, attitudes, and behaviors that, that just, just sort of show up you know, when, you're, when you're with someone. And the, the question becomes, is it worth what it costs to have our daughter be with that, with that club? And so that's what we were, we're wrestling with. And so we need to discern. We need to discern and say, Lord, we want to assist our daughter out of the means that, that you've given to us. And maybe we're supposed to be salt, light, and leaven on this team. Maybe our daughter's supposed to be salt, light, and leaven on this team, but we quickly have learned that in circumstances and situations like that in the past, it's the team that ends up having a much bigger effect on the person of faith than the person of faith has on the rest of the team. And so they're right there, a living wrestling with the question, Am I, is our daughter in the right place for her? personally, and in terms of her development. And so what are we going to do? We talked about it. And so I'm going to go to a practice. I'm going to be there. We'll get there early so we can watch beginning, middle, end, what it's like for, um, for us, uh, for us as adults, for me as, as the parent, to be interacting with the other parents, for our daughter to interact with the other kids, and, and to see the way the kids interact with her. Uh, and, and, and then just from there, make a decision is, is this a right fit? Is this the right place for our daughter to be playing volleyball? And, you know, just a, it's a very, it's a very pressing thing, right? There's a lot at stake. She's in seventh grade. And so there's a lot of shaping and molding of minds and hearts. And that's way more important than the, uh, isolating factor of is this the best place for her to develop athletically? So I share that story. The, the interesting thing is I wasn't planning on sharing that story before I began the program. So I'm guessing that, you know what? There's some people out there that God wanted to hear that story. Uh, maybe it's something for you to ponder. Maybe it's around basketball. Maybe it's around football. Maybe it's around soccer. Maybe it's around uh, volleyball. And 
the involvement that your kids are having, and let's let's have our eyes wide open. Who's really evangelizing whom? And are we really aware of the toxic effect that peers will have on our kids' lives, especially when they're in their tweens and early teens, and they're very impressionable, and uh, it, it can lead to just really damaging effects on our kids, our, their purity, their, uh, their goodness, their kindness, their, the quality of, of, of faith and the, the spirit of faith that is part of their lives. And so uh, we're thinking about, we're thinking about, okay, so the second part of this Luke chapter 8 <laughs> that I'm referring to is that these 12 that accompanied Jesus in the proclamation of the gospel, it mentions these women, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. And what's common to, to the three of them, like why were they named? Well, they're given as examples of women who accompanied Jesus, who had been cured of evil spirits and maladies. So a malady, you think it's a sickness, right? But the root of the word malady, mal, comes from the word for evil, malice, evil. So malum, evil. So if they've been cured of maladies and they've been freed or freed from evil spirits, cured of evil spirits, there's a way in which I think we can stop and say, when are we more likely to find a, a willingness, an urge, a, a, and a zeal to accompany Jesus in a more complete way and to advance the proclamation of the gospel? When are we more likely to do that? Well, when we ourselves have been cured, we have been set free, we have been made whole, there has been a restoration, there has been a, 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 a spiritual resurrection, there has, there has been a shift from a place of being stuck and in bondage to being unbound and set free. And when we've made that kind of journey, because of the gift of the intervention of the kingdom of God in our lives and of the king of kings in our lives, Jesus Christ, then guess what? We become much more passionate about pursuing Jesus and pursuing godly ideals. And so I share that with you because I believe, in, in, in this is what's coming to me as I share this word of God today from Luke chapter 8, that there are some listening who have been bound up by malady, by some evil, the impact of that evil on your life. It may not mean a direct demonic influence that uh, is like being referred to here, but the idea of being cured, healed, of a condition that is binding you up and diminishing the verve and flourishing that the Lord wants for your life, this word is for you. And I'm going to encourage you 
to allow me to say a prayer for you. Allow me right now just to, to say a prayer for you, for God's kingdom to come, and for the king of that kingdom to come, and to break in and break open your life, and to begin to set you free from a situation, a condition, a bondage that you are not even aware is a malady that the Lord wills to heal. There are some of us that walk around with a with a a, a cloud hanging over our emotional life, a a burden, a weightiness hanging over a relationship. There is a like a, a diminishment in our attitudes, our hearts, our minds that it's a constriction that the Lord does not will for us. He wills it to be open. And we are not coming into contact with that healing power because we're not asking. We don't even know to ask for that. We don't even realize that we're carrying a malady. And so I'm praying for you right now. Let's pray together. And, and just be open to be surprised by the stunning intervention of our living God who has established this moment to be a moment of a new breakthrough in your life. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the word of the Father, the word that has been made flesh. You dwelt among us, Lord. 2,000 years ago in history, and you dwell among us now through the church and in your word, in the sacraments. And so, Lord, we come before you because of your word, your living word, and you have gone about preaching and proclaiming the good news of your kingdom. And so, Lord, I ask right now, please, Jesus, I come before you. We are yours. We look to your lordship and today we look for your saving power. Please, Jesus, come and heal our maladies. We give you permission, Jesus. And I'm going to shift this to an I statement. So you can make this I your own statement. So I'm going to be praying it for myself, but I'm praying it in your place, on your behalf, and for your sake, dear one. Jesus, I come before you humbly saying, I am broken in ways that I do not realize. I am blind to the clouds that I'm laboring under, the constricted heart and mind that hold me back from the blessings you want for my life. And so, Jesus, I say, please, come as king, king of your own kingdom, and break into my life, break into my relationships, Break into my past, my heart, my soul, my memory, my intellect, my will, my emotions, every dimension of my being. Move into the core of my heart. Move into the center of my eye, into my very spirit. And there, Jesus, be the divine physician who moves with lordly power and set me free. Set me free from the maladies 
and cure me of the influence of evil spirits that hold me down and hold me back. Jesus, your kingdom come. Come right now. Come quickly. I'm desperate for you in ways that I don't even realize that I'm in such complete need. But I acknowledge it now, Jesus. Come with your kingdom. And Jesus, immerse me into your heart, into your most sacred heart. Immerse me, Jesus. But not only me, my loved ones, those who dwell in my heart, in places that make me anxious, afraid, concerned, questioning, upset. Lord, all of those dear ones that are most firmly in my heart, but are in broken places and difficult circumstances, please, Jesus, empty my heart into your own. Draw them out of my heart and into your own. And may the cleansing, purging fire of your love set them free as well. Your kingdom come. With great authority, Jesus, your kingdom come. And I thank you, Lord, and I will follow you with greater fervor, with greater zeal, with greater assistance. Pray for us. Pray for me. Saint Mary Magdalene, pray for us, pray for me, Joanna and Susanna. Thank you for your following. Please pray for me now that I would follow after the manner that you did. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. This is Tom Carnes, on Insight. I'm leaning on God's word. I felt drawn in this program to say, Lord, you have a word for us. What are you saying to our lives? And I opened to Luke chapter 8. I didn't think in my head, hey, you know, I think Luke chapter 8 has some great stories and accounts that ought to be attended to. Not what happened. I, got, I felt drawn to the Bible. I actually was going to look at a different book. Uh, it was a book uh, of some of the key writings of St. Bonaventure. I'm like, oh, I'll use that. And I saw my Bible and I underneath it, and I'm like, oh, I believe it's God's Word. Now, and I have to admit, part of me said, oh, is there anything new in God's Word? I mean, come on, everybody knows the stories, everybody knows the scriptures, everybody on Sacred Heart Radio, they've heard this before. And it just, I had to stop myself. Really, Tom? <laughs> That's your faith in the living God and in the newness of God's Word? Behold, I make all things new. And, and your word is a living word. I mean, the Lord is life. The Lord's word is life. I'm, compared to God's word, I'm dead compared to the life that is God and, and the life that is in his word. But that's where we're at sometimes. Sometimes we feel like the newness of God's word has run out. The power of God's word is, is domesticated. The freshness and the healing capacity of God's word is 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 zero because we haven't experienced it, or maybe it's already been used up, so there's no more healing there. And yet that's not so. Actually, this is pretty cool because it, it actually brings me to the next part of Luke chapter 8, 
which is the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, it begins at verse 4, and it goes all the way to verse 15. And it, uh, you know, it's the story of the seed being sown on different soils. So we'll see what God has to say. I- I'm excited. Like, all right, Lord, I-, I know this story so well, but you have something new to say, and you have something fresh to say to someone or to hopefully to many of us right now. Well, actually, right now we have a break. <laughs> And when we come back, I'm going to read the scripture. It's a living word. And and get ready, because God has a word for you and for me. And in a minute, we'll see what that is. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. God is the living God. He has a word for you. Get ready. You're not meant to get through today based on yesterday's blessings, yesterday's word. There's a fresh word for you today that's not just a slogan. It's not just clever statements. No, this is what God wills for us as our, listen now, ordinary experience. The ordinary experience of your life of faith is the reality that the living God communicates to you every day. And if we don't sense that God is communicating to us every day, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. The Lord is the living Lord, and as we turn to Him first, and and I know we get so many temptations to not turn to Him first, we have to be attentive and say, Lord, what are you asking of us? So let's go to God's Word. Let's go to, again, Luke chapter 8. This is one of those stories that's found in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so in Luke chapter 8, this is what it says. A large crowd was gathering with people resorting to, uh, uh, resorting to him from one town after another. He spoke to them in a parable. A farmer went out to sow some seed. In the sowing, some fell on the footpath where it was walked on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. It sprouted up then withered through lack of moisture. Some fell among briars, and and the thorns growing uh, and the thorns growing up with it stifled it. But some fell on good soil, grew up, and yielded grain a hundredfold. As he said this, he exclaimed, Let everyone who has ears attend to what he has heard. His disciples began asking him what the meaning of this parable might be. Jesus replied, To you, the mysteries of the reign of God, have been confided, but to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not perceive, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those on the footpath are people who hear, but the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. They have no root, They believe for a while, but fall away in time of temptation. 
The seed falling among briars are those who hear, but their progress is stifled by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and they do not mature. The seed on good ground are those who hear the word in a spirit of openness, retain it, and bear fruit through perseverance. Okay, so there's the story. You've this, There's the parable and the explanation of it by Jesus. And let's dig into it. I'm going to immediately draw out a couple of things that I'd never noticed before. Well, I shouldn't say that because this Bible that I have is 30-some-odd years old, and it is one that I've written and circled things. But I, I circled some things here, and I'm like, wow, I don't remember that detail. And I want to bring those out to you. And so the first is this. When we hear about the, again, this seed, which is the word of God, it falls on four different kinds of soil. You know that, right? The footpath, the uh, rocky ground, the thorny ground, and then the good soil. Let's notice a couple of details that might surprise you the way they surprised me. The first was, it says the the farmer went out to sow some seed in the sowing. Some fell on the footpath where it was walked on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Now, when you go to the explanation, Jesus says the rocky ground are the ones who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. So we are being compared to different kinds of soil, right? Uh, they have no root. No, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry. Those on the footpath are the ones who hear. But the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they believe and be saved. And and therefore the devil is like the birds that come and eat the seed that fell on the footpath. What I noticed here in the reading was it's not only that the the footpath as the first kind of soil is uh is associated with birds eating it up, but something I I don't remember where it was walked on where it was walked on, and the birds of the air ate it up. And that makes so much sense. When you, when you think about it, if, if these seeds that are being sown fall on a footpath, well, what's on a footpath? Feet. People walking on the footpath. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is one of the reasons why we don't bear fruit, and God's word doesn't bear fruit in our lives, is that we're walking all over it. We're walking over it. it. It's there. It's there on the path that we're walking, but we don't realize that we're missing it. We don't realize that we, in fact, are walking on God's word. And, and, and we're missing it. We're literally missing God's word for our lives because we're walking over it. And it's like we're oblivious. I just hadn't really thought about that. The idea of missing out on God's word because we're oblivious to it rather than the idea that the devil comes swooping in and pulls it from our lives. That's really all I've ever reflected on for the, the seed sown on the footpath is, oh, blame it on the devil. 
the devil is is taking that word out of my life. And it's like, no, you know what? I just might be oblivious to God's word being sown right in the middle of the path that I walk on. So my brothers and sisters, my first word to you today is, where's God speaking to you? Where's God's word going to come and meet you in your life? It's on the path you're walking. It's literally on the path that you're walking today. You in the car driving someplace? You listening on, on your smartphone? Listening on some you know podcast or, or in the live stream of, on Sacred Heart Radio's app? God, God has a word. And that word he, he's speaking, he's speaking right along your path, right, in, right, in the, right along the, it's not just when you go to church, it's not just when you're having your prayer time. No, it's right on the path. And you know what? If we're not careful, we're missing it. I'm missing it. You're missing it. And so I, I, I want to say a quick prayer for you. And for me, Lord God, just Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this living word. Thank you, Lord, that you are sowing seeds on the path of our today, on the path of our right now. You have a word for us. And that word is, don't miss my word. The word is, you are oblivious to my word that I'm intending to bring into your life and I'm putting right in front of you, right on the right on the path that you're taking today. So Lord Jesus, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Give us the grace to recognize the word that you're sowing along the path of our today, the path that we're walking today. Help us not to trample it. And Lord, we repent. I repent, Jesus, for the words, those little nudges, those little inklings, those little senses where you're saying to me, do this, don't do that, say this, don't say that, avoid this, engage in that. Lord, give me the grace to recognize the promptings that your word is sowing into my life. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That, that's really cool. I love that. I just, again, never, I, I don't remember, maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago I reflected on it, but it's new today. There it is. God's word is new. A fresh word for me today. So that's the first soil. Wow. Thank you, God. I'm never going to listen to this story of the four types of soil again. The first soil isn't just because of the devil. It's because of my oblivious missing of the word that God is sowing on the path that I walk day to day. Ouch. Okay, the second, there was something new and different, the way in which the second type of soil was described. Now, if you remember, the second says some fell on rocky ground. And it says those on the rocky ground are the ones who, when they hear the word of God, receive it with joy. They have no root. They believe for a while, but fall away in times of temptation. Now, that one I always thought of as, oh, it's rocky ground. The soil is not very deep. And therefore, the seed is not going to be able to grow. But that's not what Luke chapter 8 says. Luke chapter 8, in Jesus's explanation, refers to they have no root, not their roots can't grow, but they have no root. Now, wait a minute. Let's go to the way that he announced it to the crowd. This is what he says about the rocky ground. 
He says that after the, the footpath, he says, some fell on rocky ground, sprouted up, then withered through lack of moisture. Withered through lack of moisture. Wow. Well, what does that mean? We'll discuss it in a minute. I'm up against a break. Back in a minute, and we'll talk about that and more on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Okay, so here we are talking about Luke chapter 8. Lord, speak to us, your children. We are listening to you. We want to be open to hear from you today, and we want to be useful, Lord. We want to be those who can bring God's word, your word, Lord, to others' lives. So here we are looking at the uh, parable of the sower and the second type of soil falling on rocky ground, but the reason why this seed doesn't mature, doesn't bear fruit, is because of lack of moisture. That's the new thing. That's the different thing. That's what I never heard before. I just thought, oh, it didn't have enough room to grow. The roots couldn't extend. No, this is identifying the problem with the lack of moisture. And because of a lack of moisture, it's not sprouting. It's not taking root. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. It's not that God's word is not being received by me, but am I nurturing God's word? Am I watering God's word? Am I giving it moisture? What is that? Well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that we can do things that are religious. This is at least one way I'm looking at it. We can do things that are religious, things like, hey, do you pray rosary every day? Do you go to Mass on Sundays, or even more than that? Do you have religious objects around your house? Do you listen to Catholic radio, or Catholic podcasts, and uh, Catholic videos, and things? Do you, are you part of a Bible study? All of those religious activities that are expressive of faith, and a faith commitment, those are things that can, ex- can extend, can, can, can be more fruitful if we provide more moisture, if we are watering them. And where does that come? Personal prayer. Private prayer. Private prayer, the, the prayer of the individual, feeds into communal prayer. And communal prayer should lead to private prayer. The challenge is that it's a lot easier to go through the motions in communal prayer. It's not that you couldn't also do it in private prayer, but boy, how easy is it for us to float through a communal activity of prayer? Just wrote saying the words, just being there and kind of fading out. And you know what? Rocky soil. It's rocky soil. Now, the rocky soil isn't that I'm, I'm in mass. The rocky soil is that I am not properly disposed and readied. I am not in a place of expectant faith so that the word that is being served up to me in Mass, in the Bible study, in praying the rosary, in these other types of prayers that I'm doing, they're not being nurtured. They're not being 
abhorred that there's not the grace of God and 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 the and the strength of God, the life of God that that comes through a personal prayer life. And so I, I think this is a challenge. This is a challenge to us. Are we watering the the seeds that are sown in our life in the religious activities that we're doing? I'm not talking about just day-to-day life now. I'm talking about the day, these activities that we're doing. Well, what can we do about that? Well, we can, we can pray. And, and maybe what we can do is just to say, as, as we're heading into daily mass or into praying the rosary, um, we can stop and say, how do I ensure, how do I take a, a real effort and a real look at the effort I'm putting in to make sure that the word the seeds that the Lord intends to sow into my life in these religious activities will, in fact, be on fertile ground and not rocky ground. I think part of the answer is is uh, a a humble acknowledgement that we do end up just going through the motions. And then, I know this might sound hard, is you go back and start over. So what does that look like? Well, if you pray in the rosary, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'll do this, is I'll be praying a rosary and I get through a mystery and I'll say, what mystery did I just finish? And I'm like, well, based on the amount of time, it must have been the second joyful mystery. But I didn't really pray it. I mean, my mouth said the words, but my mind obviously was distracted the entire time. And all of a sudden I reached the end of it and I'm like, all right, I'm now finally at the third mystery, when, if I'm honest, I didn't really pray the second one. I may have said the words, or in my mind recited the words, but did I really pray? And the answer is, no, I didn't. Let me go do it again. Let me go back and say the second mystery again. And you get halfway through that second mystery and you realize you're still there. You know what you do? You start it over again. And then the same, you can do the same thing with, I mentioned that I, I do this with the Liturgy of the Hours, the Invitatory Psalm. Right? The very first Psalm, Psalm 95, you, you pray this Psalm as you are launching into the uh, Divine Office, right? The, the Liturgy of the Hours, the, uh, the, the breviary, right? The, the book that the priests and, and religious and others that have committed to it will use. It's the prayer of the church. And sometimes my entire morning prayer is just dealing with a small section of Psalm 95. I don't even get beyond it because I want to pray it well. I'm just distracted, so I need to start over. And when I get to that place where I'm not distracted and I'm really striving to be open to the Lord and and, and ponder His Word, I just get stopped and just be present to that Word of God. And don't worry about getting through the remainder of the psalm or of even the office of readings, right? The that particular liturgical uh, set of hours, that that liturgical hour. No, this is about being attentive to the Lord. Okay, the third. The third one is uh, some withered. uh, Some fell among briars, and the thorns growing up with it stifled it. Okay, and then here's the the explanation Jesus gives for that. 
He says, The seed falling, fallen among briars are those who hear, but their progress is stifled by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and they do not mature. Uh, should I say that again? Is anybody else convicted when they hear that? The seed, God's word, that is sown into our lives, that God wants to place into the, the center of how we see ourselves, how we relate to life, and how we live, that this word, this progress in this word, accomplishing that transformation, is stifled by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. Wow. And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. <laughs> the more that the riches and pleasures of life come in, the more cares there are. Isn't that true? It's funny because in the other synoptic gospels, the emphasis is not on cares and riches and pleasures, but it's on anxieties, like the, the, the stressful things that overwhelm, the things that, that are heavy burdens. No, this is riches and pleasures and, and cares that I tend to link to the pleasures and the riches. And so what's the Lord saying to us? Well, he's saying, be aware that the things that we do pursue, like riches and pleasures, are things that in pursuing them, we just might be crowding out or stifling the growth of God's word in our life. And the last one, just because we're almost out of time. Some fell on good soil, grew up, and yielded grain a hundredfold. The seed on good ground are those who hear the word in a, listen now, you see the, the stages, in a spirit of openness, retain it, and bear fruit through perseverance. And so it's all of those dimensions. It's a spirit of openness that we welcome God's word. We allow it space in our lives. And then all of a sudden, by persevering, now it's so interesting, persevering and doing what? The word has been sowed. It's in the good seed. Well, what's the perseverance? Oh, it's the perseverance in watering that seed, of allowing that seed room to grow in our lives, allowing that seed more space in our lives, not just being open to hear God's word, but being open to let God's word extend and expand itself in our lives. Ooh, that's a good word from us. That's a good word, God. A spirit of openness. Lord, give me a spirit of openness, not only to hear your word, not only to receive your word, but to retain your word and persevere in being open to let your word continue to break down walls that limit how you are permitted to be involved in my life. Lord, give me a spirit of openness. In Jesus' name, amen. In the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for walking with me through a program of listening to God's Word. Thank you, God, for speaking. God bless your day.